everybody. Oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you this morning. Let's all stand if you would. And we are going to worship the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord to open the eyes of our heart today. Amen.
give the Lord a clap offering this morning? What can wash away my sins? excited about the blood of Jesus? I said, are you excited about the blood of Jesus? Amen. All right, if you would, tell your face you're saved. Everybody smile at me. Show me them pearly whites, dentures, gums, whatever you got. Amen. And tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning. All right, if you would, say, I'm glad you braved the torrential downpour this morning, and uh, thank God you made it. Amen.
didn't get your hand shook, let me officially shake your hand, amen. I'm giving you air shakes back there, amen. <laughs> amen. If you would, you can find your place and be seated. Brother Martin is going to give us our announcements for the day. All right, I'll see if I can make it through one without bumbling. So, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? I mostly saw home folks, so... Uh, Thank, Thank you, you for being, being faithful, faithful here today, today this, this morning. morning. You know, you it rained last night, so you had a good excuse not to come to church. church. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, just to let you know, we do have a uh, Bible study twice a week. If you ever want to uh, sharpen your skills on your Bible knowledge, we offer it on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock, and then Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock as well. And I know that we have some great, great biblical scholars in here that may not need it. But, you know, I've studied the Bible just a little bit, and I found a nugget that I know this morning that I was talking myself out of coming out to Bible study. And so I showed up, and Brother Mark's teaching it, and he reads Proverbs 1, which says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. I've preached, preached over, over and over and over, and over, and over that, that God, God never moves. moves. It's, it's us, us that move whenever we're away from God. And so I found the scripture that I've always preached, and I'm encouraging you to come and learn and be part of a Bible study, whether it's Wednesday morning or Sunday morning, because we all need it. Amen. We also have, um, I guess, uh, services on Wednesday night. I also encourage you to come to that. We'll even feed you at 6. Miss Mary does a great job of doing that. Um, we do need more volunteers to help with children and nursery. You will see Miss Cindy or Ginger. Um, they definitely need the help. Like Brother Mark says, we don't want to burn out, but if you leave two people to do it, they will. Also, uh, you can do your giving either by uh, check, envelope, or you can go to givinglandmarktyler.com, set up your PayPal. Uh, we need everybody to be faithful in their tithing. We also have a big day coming up, Father's Day. Not only is it going to be Father's Day, but we are going to have a church-wide picnic and baptisms down at Lake Tyler, which y'all remember last year we did that, and I thought it was amazing. So invite some of your people, even if you just tell them they can swim in the lake for free on our dime, and we'll feed them, bring them here. Maybe somebody will get saved. And last thing is we do have our life recovery class meeting today at 2 p.m., correct? So thank you for being here. Thank you for being faithful. Let's praise our uh, Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Hey, and I, I know some people have said, well, now, you know, you're having that church picnic on Father's Day. And I said, yeah, aren't we smart? Amen. Because here's what you can do. You can bring your daddy Sunday morning. We're going to give him a free gift. Then you take him out to the lake. You can feed him on our dime for free. Amen. And then if that, and then he can swim in the lake for free, like Brother Martin said. And then if it's still not enough and you still want to spend money on him, then take him out for dinner too. Amen. It's a, it's a win-win. Amen. We're, we're helping you out. Uh, no, it, it turns out Father's Day was the uh, the day available, and uh, you can probably imagine why. But uh, I find that the daddies, they don't get near as much uh, uh, kind of doted over as the mamas do on Mother's Day. Uh, so, man, you come. We will feed daddy. We're going to treat daddy right. And then if you still want to take him out to dinner, you can do that. Amen. But I can't think of a better place to come than uh, bring him bring him on Sunday morning and feed him out at the lake on Sunday afternoon. It'll all be good. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Some of you need to smile. Come on now. All right. I, remember, I got to look at all y'all. Y'all only have to look at me and these beautiful ladies. Amen. Well, except for that one down there. Amen. Uh, but I got to look at all y'all. Amen. So try to keep smiling. All right. 
All right, let's stand if you would. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen.
that Jesus is our hope and that we meet here today because of him. We don't meet here today because we are a social club or a country club or anything. We come here to encourage each other and to pray for each other because as, as we, we were, were talking, talking in our in prayers our prayer time, our worship, worship team, this world, this world is not is our home, home and this and world is not going to get better. Get better. So we are here and we're placed here for a reason. And we are the light in this darkness that is around us. And I just want to encourage you to be an encourager. Don't let our circumstances or your circumstances bring you down. Because we get entangled with the enemy trying to discourage us. And we get where we're pity ourselves. And I'm just speaking because I know I'm one of those that I have to work hard for that. I have to work and intentionally give it to the Lord and say, I'm not going to let this flat tire, this dead battery, or this spilled milk, or whatever it is, get my joy. Because we give that away. We want to blame things. And we need to just focus on Jesus has placed me here to be an encourager and to we have this hope 
we know one day we will be with him. And I also, as I'm thinking through what I'm saying here, our church family needs to pray, pray, pray. We have some people in our family that are not able to be here because of illness, sickness. And we want to continue to pray for them because God is the healer. And we want to see them in this place again. And they want to be here in this place again. So I want to encourage you to pray for some of our people. Um, Miss Melba. We want to pray for Jerry Johnson. Um, you might have to help me here. I want to pray for Jack, Allison, and Vicki. We want to pray for who else? Brother Buck, Uncle Buck, whatever we call. We want to pray for him. Brother Ken. We want to pray for Brother Ken today. And there's probably others in our family. But I just want you to just consistently just pray over them all day long. And um, we love them and we miss them. And we just ask God to touch their body and heal them. Our Lord, our God is our living hope. Oh, thank you, Lord. Without him, I don't know how this world goes about their daily task without knowing Jesus. How many of you agree with me? I mean, how do you go and not have hope? Oh, I just pray, pray for those people. Pray that um, Jesus would use you wherever you are in school or in your work. Um, just let God use you to pour into people wherever you go, grocery store, wherever you go. And um, so let's sing this Living Hope song. Let's encourage each other. Let's praise the one who sets us free.
our hope. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for just waking us up each morning and giving us another day to serve you. Another day to make a difference in someone's life. Lord, your unconditional love we don't understand, Father. But you are our hope. You are our example. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and living on this earth and giving us the example that we have no excuse to abide by. Lord, you went through every temptation, so we are without excuse to overcome that because you've given us the Holy Spirit and the power, Lord, to call on you in those situations, Father. Lord, we ask that you would just be with this time together as we just get in your word and just learn more about where you want us to be individually. We just thank you for the freedom you give us. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning. Amen. You have uh, children for Children's Church. Uh, you can meet Miss Cindy at the door there and Miss Ginger. Thank you all so much. And uh, give our children's workers a big hand. And again, we always need more help in this area. Uh, we want so people don't burn out. That means that Miss Cindy doesn't need to be back there every week. Miss Ginger doesn't need to be back there every week. And the only way that happens is if somebody else steps up. Amen. And you cannot outgive given to our kids. Amen. Uh, you're not just babysitting. Let me reiterate that. You are teaching and shaping and molding young lives. Amen. Uh, but we love our children's workers. We don't want anybody to burn out. And so uh, help them out. Amen. Uh, all right. Summer is upon us. How many of you know that? Summer is here. Uh, graduations. Uh, many of you know my other business, Running Sound. I've got a lot of graduations. They're all pretty much have either happened already or I think there's one more kind of weekend that gets some of them in. I've got one more graduation uh, this coming weekend. But pretty much everybody's uh, wrapping it up, getting out of school. And so I wanted to preach uh, this message right here at the beginning of summer because summertime is wonderful. Uh, summertime is a wonderful time. It's the kind of time uh, that the kids get out. I know the kids like it. Parents maybe not as much as the kids. Uh, but uh, there's uh, one of the things that uh, sometimes happens is, is we, we keep a schedule all during the school year, don't we? And then summertime gets here, and it's like the schedule just... You just throw it out the window, amen? And we just kind of throw the schedule to the wind, and it's wonderful for about the first month. Then it really gets, starts to get on your nerves for about the second month, and then by the third month, you're praying, dear God, let us get on the schedule again, amen? And uh, one of the, the hallmarks of, uh, of summer is uh, just trying to keep this power of consistency. And this is not just in church. Uh, this is in every single area of your life. During the summer, it's kind of like, uh, like I said, the schedule goes out the window. Everybody kind of gets in a routine during the school year. And then during summer, it's wonderful because you're not having to live by that schedule. But then by the end of summer, you realize, oh, there's a reason that that's good. Amen. There's a reason that routine is good and that a schedule is good. Amen. But the power of consistency. Uh, listen, uh, I am the preacher who does not say, 
Y'all all be in church every Sunday. You need your vacation. Some of you, I'm looking at your face right now, you're extremely stressed. You need a vacation. And your preacher is telling you, please go take a vacation. Amen. But I know that most of you are not going to be on vacation for the next three months. All right. So what I am, I am asking you to do is uh, take your vacation, relax, go, enjoy yourself, be with your family. But when you're not on vacation, be in your place. The power of consistency. Uh, we, we need you here. The church continues. We will meet every Sunday and Wednesday of the summer, whether you're here or not. And so we need you here because the air conditioning bill gets a little bit higher during the summer. Uh, but guess what typically goes down? Out of sight, out of mind. Giving goes down. Uh, attendance sometimes goes down because people are leaving. And a lot of people, you'll find that the beginning of summer and the ending of summer, because people are trying to get out there and beat everybody. So a lot of them are already hitting the roads, taking those vacations. And then right before school starts, you'll see a lot of them make that last mad dash trying to get one more trip in. And that's wonderful, but uh, I want to I encourage you to be consistent. You may think, oh, this is just the preacher trying to get us here during the summer. Listen, uh, I'm telling you, this, this message is going to cover a little bit of everything. Be consistent in your life. Because one of the things I find in culture, as time goes on, and as every generation goes on, we become less and less consistent. I can guarantee you that everybody here in the category of uh, where I'm fixing to be, I'm fixing to be 60, but everybody's 60 and above in here, uh, you were brought up in a culture, and your mom and dad brought you up, uh, you were just consistent in everything you did, and, uh, and you, if you said you were going to do something, you did it, and you didn't just do it once, you did it all the time. In my church, uh, in my growing up, my mom and dad raised us in a household, now I, uh, I didn't get saved till I was 15. So we got kind of a late start. Up until I was about 12, 13, we didn't go to church at all. My mom and dad were both raised in two different denominations. They just found the easiest way to handle religion was just don't talk about it. And so didn't go to church at all. And all of a sudden, uh, we start going to church. Everybody in my family gets saved. And all of a sudden, it was just a given. We, I mean, we didn't just uh, ease into the water. We didn't dip our toe in the water. We jumped off in the deep end once we got saved. Amen. And it was never a question. Sunday was already decided. On Monday, it was already decided that Sunday was coming. And where do you think we knew we were going to be? You're going to be in church. It was no question. In fact, it was, it was the exception rather than the norm that if we missed a Sunday. Now, my mom's family, they all lived in uh, Fort Worth. My dad was not big on vacations. He was kind of a workaholic. And in my younger days, uh, he was trying to build a business. So he was working all the time. We didn't take vacations. Uh, but the only closest thing we took to a vacation was every once in a while we'd take a weekend and we'd go to Fort Worth to visit my mom's side of the family or we'd go down near Austin to visit my dad's side of the family. And, uh, but more often than not, that was the exception rather than the rule. We just knew that come Sunday, there was no question. You didn't bother asking, what are we going to be doing on Sunday? You definitely knew you were going to be going to church. Now, what happens as each generation goes? What do we do? And it's not the kid's fault. It's, it's pretty much mom and dad's fault. We became, the parents became less and less consistent. We became less and less consistent in our church attendance. We became less and less consistent in our giving. We became less and less consistent in just about every single area of our life. Uh, my, my parents and uh, Julie's parents came from a, uh, um, you know, a culture where uh, hard work and loyalty and consistency was rewarded. 
My, um, my father-in-law, Julie's dad, worked at Carrier Air Conditioning for many, many years. And when he retired, the day he retired, they gave him a watch, gave him a pension, and, uh, and he was rewarded for his many years of service. That's not the case today, is it? There's no loyalty on either end. And a lot of the reason people aren't loyal to their job is because their job's not loyal to them. And in fact, many times in, in your job now, when you're the oldest one, you're getting near retirement, you're the first one to be cut, aren't you? Rather than being honored for your service, uh, you said you're too expensive and you're costing us too much in the health care plan, and so you need to be gone. Amen? So it comes at us from all sides, this culture, and there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. So we use that as an excuse. Well, if they're not going to be loyal to me, then I'm not going to be consistent to them. And I'm not going to be loyal to them. And so we need to understand, but what does the Lord want in your life? What was the, does the Lord want? Does the Lord want you to be a good employee? Does the Lord want you to be a good servant uh, at your job? Or if you're the boss, does, does the Lord want you to be a good boss to your people and treat your people right? Certainly, no matter what side of the coin you're on, the Lord, it honors the Lord. So we shouldn't be doing it for the world. We shouldn't be doing it for our company. We shouldn't be doing it for any of that. We should do it because it honors the Lord, all right? Uh, consistency may be the most important spiritual quality um, with the greatest potential to impact your entire life. Um, here's the thing. What matters most in your life is not your appearance. It's not your background. It's not even your education. A lot of, a lot of people have gone to work, and they've gone to work right out of high school, and they went to work for a company, and they showed their loyalty, and they showed that they were the hardest working person there. They were the first one in, the last one out, and they showed their loyalty to the company, and they worked their way up from the bottom all the way to the top. It doesn't always matter what your background is or how, how much education you have. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not against education, but sometimes your most important qualities are your loyalty, your consistency, and that the people see that you're a hard worker. You're not one that's going to come. You're not one that's going to slack off. And why should you be doing that? Again, because it honors the Lord. It says to what your quality is. It says to who you are. What kind of a person are you? At the end of the day, uh, when people are standing around remembering you and you're gone and you're on with the Lord in heaven, people are going to remember what quality of person you were. I've said it before. They're going to remember how you made them feel. They're going to remember what kind of person you were. It's not what you did for a job. It's not what you, but they're going to remember what kind of person you were. One thing my dad taught me, my dad was not perfect any more than any of your dads was perfect, but my dad did teach me how to have a good work ethic. And my dad did teach, he did teach me that if you want something, be the best at it. Strive to be the best at it. And, uh, and he was an extremely hard worker. Um, let's, let's start today with our scripture. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 19. Now you may say, well, Brother Mark, I'm not a very consistent person. Let me shake your hand. Hello, I'm Mark Trammell. I also struggle with inconsistency. Amen? We all struggle with it. And maybe it'll give you a little bit of comfort to know that one of our spiritual giants that we look up to the most uh, is Brother Paul. And Brother Paul wrote most of the New Testament. We learn a lot from him. We look up to him a great deal. But if you go to Romans chapter 7, you see our brother Paul complaining and complaining about himself mostly that guess what? He struggles too. And he struggles in this area of inconsistency. One of the greatest spiritual giants that we know also admits that he struggles being consistent. Let's read it, 15 through 19. Paul says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. 
For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Why? Because the law shows you where your sin is, all right? But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Okay? So what is Paul saying here? If you've ever been discouraged that you just can't seem to get your act together, always go to Romans chapter 7. Because Paul is saying exactly what you and I say many times. I just can't seem to get it together. It's like the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I do not want to do and I'm trying not to do are the very things that I do. Yeah, anybody here relate to Paul with this? Me too. Amen. And he says, the things that I want to do, uh, I, it's like I don't do them. In other words, that consistency is not there. Okay? So even Paul struggles with this. All right? I'm going to give you a word today, and I want you to write this word down. And I'm going to refer to this word several times as we go back. We must pre-decide. You must pre-decide. Now, what do you mean by that, Mark? Pre-decide. You have to pre-decide. We talked in Sunday school this morning about when you get up every morning, you must pre-decide, am I going to live for the Lord or am I going to live for my own personal, selfish, fleshly desires? Am I going to live for the Lord? Am I going to try to do what the Lord commands me and what the Lord is willing me to do? Or am I just going to be totally selfish today and live for myself? And then you must decide, am I going to live for others? Am I going to serve others? Or am I just going to serve myself? Am I going to get up today and I'm, am I going to have the joy of the Lord is my strength? Remember I said earlier, some of y'all need to smile. I'm looking at you again. Some of you need to smile. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Not happiness. The difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy comes no matter what your circumstances. Okay? So the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right? So we need to understand. Pre-decide. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to live for the Lord, not for myself. I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord on my face. And I'm going to encourage people today. When I see Mary... I'm going to encourage her. Amen. I'm going to tell her, man, Mary, I love it. I love your cooking on Wednesday nights. I love your smile. I love everything about you. Amen. Take it up, Mary. Soak it up. Amen. It ain't going to come all the time. Amen. All right. So uh, you know, I, I pre-decide that's what I'm going to do. I pre-decide what kind of day am I going to have. Now, when you say that, and we, we talked about this in Sunday school, when you say that and you pray that before you get out of bed in the morning, guess who else hears that besides God? The devil. The devil also hears you say, oh, you think you're going to have a good day today? You think the joy of the Lord is your strength? Well, let's just, let me throw a few things at you and see how you do with that. Amen? And this is where the test will come. You need to pre-decide, no matter what, I'm going to put on the full armor of God, and I am pre-deciding I'm going to live for the Lord today. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord today. No matter what the devil throws at me. As Julie said, that flat tire, that dead battery, whatever the devil throws at me today, I am not going to let it steal my joy. And she said a true statement. The devil steals your joy. But guess what? He really doesn't steal it. You choose to give it away. The devil cannot steal 
what you have firmly held on to. But many times we let our circumstances get us down. I'm so frustrated. Here, devil, just, just take it. And we give our joy away. Listen, you need to pre-decide and understand the joy of the Lord is your strength. Brother Mark, are you living in the same world I'm living in? How in the world am I supposed to have the joy of the Lord? You better have it. Do you know when I read it? I read it as a commandment, not a suggestion. So you say, well, this world's going to hell. I agree. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, Brother Mark, do you know what the government's doing? Do you know what's going to happen next week? Do you know what's going to happen next month? Do you know what's going to happen in five years? Doesn't really matter. Didn't catch him off guard. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Mm. We must predecide what our decision will be before the temptation. It's no different than when you are a parent and you tell your teenage daughter or your preteen daughter, honey, listen, you have something very precious and you need to save yourself for marriage and there's going to be some hairy-legged boy come along and he's going to want to steal something from you that you should not give away and you tell your godly daughter you tell her you need to decide today you're 12 13 right now you need to pre-decide i am saving that for marriage i'm not giving myself away i'm not cheapening myself and i'm not selling myself short that is a decision that you need to make now you don't need to wait till the heat of the moment in the back of the car. You don't need to wait until the heat of the moment when you two are alone. That is a decision that you need to make way before you ever get there. Well, guess what? That'll preach to adults, too. You need to decide how you're going to act now. When temptation comes, you need to decide what the answer is now. When the devil throws things in your way, you need to pre-decide how you're going to handle it right now. This is what predecision means. This is what predecision Devil, means. you're not going to get Devil. it. I'm not giving you my joy. You're not stealing it. You're not taking it. I'm not going to give it to you. I need to predecide that today. This is how I'm going to handle things. That's where you get consistency from. Because if you're just always going like the waves, like the, the Bible says about how we're an unstable man, is unstable in all of his ways, and he goes like the wind and with the waves, listen, you're going to be messed up because you're riding on your emotions. You cannot live on your emotions. If you're always riding on your emotions, you're always going to be messed up. And I'm looking at some of you. You're riding on your emotions. God never says that we are to ride on our emotions. Now, listen, God created those emotions. They're there for a reason. But you need to keep those in check. You need to be running your emotions, not your emotions running you. Well, Brother Mark, I get to feeling bad sometimes. I'm sorry, Buttercup. Suck it up. Well, Brother Mark, I have a bad day sometimes. I understand. Brother Mark, I had a traumatic event in my life. I'm so sorry about that. And I, I'm, it must be very, very difficult. But guess what? The past does not change. Only the present and the future changes. The past will not change. I cannot make that go away. I can weep with you when you need to weep with you. And I can cry with you when I need to cry with you. But guess what? You must go on. You must decide this will no longer dictate my life, and I pre-decide right now this is no longer holding me captive. I will not be a slave to this. Okay? All right. You say this. With God's help, 
I am consistent. <laughs> Look at this statement. This is really good. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. If you always wanted to know, how can I be closer to God? Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Read your Bible every single day. People who are close to God, read it every day, consistently. People who are not close to God, do it occasionally. Well, Brother Mark, I, I want to be in control of my finances, and I want to have my finances honor God. Guess what? You need to pay your bills when they come in. You need to have a budget. You need to stay by that budget. You need to pre-decide, I'm going to live within my means. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live above my means. I want God to be honored in my giving and in my generosity. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. You're either running something or it's running you. You know how the difference between when you find out you're in sin is when you realize I'm not running it, it's running me. Amen? It's kind of like raising kids. Somebody's running that family. Either the inmates are running the insane asylum or the warden is. And if the warden ain't running it, then guess who's running it? The inmates of the asylum. All right? So God called you to be mom and daddy. God called you to be uh, something that uh, a person that raises them. All right? Okay. All right. Let's look at our next scripture. I'm going to give you a biblical example. Brother Daniel. All right? Now, in Brother Daniel, let me give you a little bit of background. Brother Daniel was a man of God, and he was a consistent man of God. And uh, there was a king named Darius, and King Darius um, was uh, taking these guys, and he was picking the brightest and the best to be leaders in the nation. And the guy that rose to the top was Daniel. And, uh, but the other guys, they didn't like it. Daniel was kind of at the top of the leaderboard, and every, all these other guys looked at him and said, you know what, we don't like this Daniel guy. He's too good. He's too good, and we don't like him. And so they were going to try to set him up, and uh, they were going to try to dig up the dirt on him. Amen? You ever want to see if dirt can be dug up on you? Run for office. Amen? Because they'll dig something. Amen? There's a school board right there. Amen? They will dig, and they will dig, and they will dig. And can I guarantee you this? There's enough skeletons in your closet and my closet that if they dig long enough and deep enough, they're going to find something. Amen? But they went digging in Daniel's closet, and he was a man of consistency, and they really couldn't find anything. Let's read about it. Uh, this is uh, verses uh, in Daniel 6, verses 4 through 10. It says, So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, and they said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. They're buttering him up. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. 
And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Daniel was a consistent man. And it says since his early days, he prayed three times a day. And they, they were going to pretty much set him up. And so they told the king, king, everybody needs to bow down to you. And so anybody, uh, they need to put you above any god, anything. And they knew this was the one area they could get Daniel on because they knew Daniel was not going to put anybody above his god, Jehovah God. Amen. And so what does it say Daniel did? Daniel went to his upper room and he prayed just like he'd been to it. He remained faithful. He didn't change anything he did. He just remained faithful and consistent to what he did. All right. And so Daniel turned it around. And then, you know, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he got, he pretty much said, nope, King Darius, you know, I, I like you, but you are not God. And he refused to give, put, put King Darius above God. And so he got thrown into the lion's den because they had set this law up that anybody who wouldn't do it would be thrown in the lion's den. And it says that God shut the mouth of the lion. Amen. And God showed up because of Daniel's consistency. How do you grow in consistency? How do we grow in consistency? I'm going to give you three things and we'll be done. Number one, start with the why. Brother Mark, why do I need to be more consistent? What's in it for me? What will change in my life if I become more consistent? Why do I need to be more consistent, closer to God? Do you want to be closer to God? Do you want a better marriage? Do you want financial stability? Do you want to get rid of a bad habit? Would you like to have less stress and anxiety? Anybody sign up for some of that? Let me tell you what you need to do. Be consistent to God. Let me say this. And I want to look at everybody's eyeballs. God needs you. Your family needs you. Your church needs you. And it should be done out of devotion, not fleshly desires. Start with the why. Why do I need to do this? Because it will honor God, because it will bring you closer to God, because it will make a difference in your family. If you become more consistent in your family and in raising your family, then you are passing that on to the next generation. And everything that you do is either a blessing or a curse. Amen? The Bible says this, that the sins of the father are passed down from generation to generation. And I, I can add to that the sins of the mother also. What are you setting? What's the precedent you're setting? Your family needs you to be consistent. God needs you to be consistent. Your church needs you to be consistent. In fact, I would say all of eternity is hinging on that we all be more consistent, that we need to live for God and predecide. As for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. Number two. Now, this may seem like a weird number two. Brother Mark, you, God, you just told me to be consistent. But I'm also telling you, plan to fail. Anybody in here perfect? You're fixing to give a seminar if you are, amen? Nobody in here is perfect. The reason most people fail is because we have an all or nothing. Lord, I'm going to serve you. One day in, oh, I failed. All right, that's it, Lord. Sorry, couldn't do it. That's kind of the way we do it. It's all or nothing. And I, I, I can't do this. And so one day in, I fail. And so I failed. I just, I just got to give up. 
obviously, God, it's not possible. Listen, you must plan to fail. People who overcome addictions. Now, I know we hear all the wonderful stories about God delivering people cold turkey and immediately on the spot, and God took the desire away. But can I say those are the exception and not the rule. Most people who overcome addictions have to do it slowly, slowly over a period of time, and they understand, and many times they will stumble and they will fall before they get to total sobriety. So guess what? You're not perfect. You're going to fail, all right? You may say, God, I'm never going to cuss again. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that one goes for you, amen? You ever said that one? God, strike me deaf and dumb the next time a curse word comes. You better not pray that prayer, amen? <laughs> Plan to fail. Now, does that mean, so, so here's, here's the stupid way we look at this. Well, I can't do that, so bless God, I just ought to talk any way I want to. Bleep, 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 bleep. No. I, if I cannot be perfect, then why even try? Listen, that's the dumbest excuse any of us could ever have. You strive because it will make your family better. Can I tell you this? If you see a young person or you see a child, it's very sad to me. You can go into a Walmart or a Target now, and I've heard three, four, five, six-year-olds cussing their mama and cussing their daddy. And you, you want to look at that mom and say, you're getting exactly what you deserved. Number one, that you've allowed that word to even come out of their mouth, but I can guarantee you they heard that word somewhere first, and they probably heard you calling your spouse that or you calling them that. Amen? So you need to understand this is why we need to be consistent. Now listen, you're going to fail. Is, is the, a word going to slip every night? Yeah, but does that mean you stop trying just because you can't always be perfect? No. Plan to fail. Trust, and that brings me to number three. Uh, is fall in love with the process. Oh, wait, there's another one. Yeah, go back to that one. I'm sorry. Being consistent isn't the same as being perfect. Amen? You're not going to be perfect, but you can be consistent. But you are going to slip sometimes. You are going to fail. But you know what the difference is? I, I don't fail one time and then go, just chuck it all. I guess just forget it. No. Consistency is saying when I do fail, I plan to fail, and when I do fail... I'm going to dust myself off, I'm going to get right back on the horse, and I'm going to continue on, all right? Being consistent is not the same as being perfect. You try and try and try, and the Bible says it this way. When you've done all and you've done all you can do, just stand. Just stand. Be consistent. I failed. Lord, I messed up miserably. But, Lord, I'm starting the day fresh. I'm getting back on the horse, and I'm going. Amen? Listen, you don't need any more excuses. It rained last night. Brother Martin mentioned this. It rained last night. Do we need any more excuses not to go to church? You don't need any more than what you already got. Amen? But the devil will provide as many as he needs to keep you from being in the house of God. He will provide as many excuses for you to say, well, I'd love to tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. Excuse me, you can't afford not to tithe. You are either living under a blessing or a cursing. Now, this is a whole other message, and I'm not going to give it to you today, but you are either living under a blessing or a curse. Pick up the word of God and read it. Amen? Live under the blessing. I've had so many people say that. Brother Mark, I would like to tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. And I always respond, well, you can't afford not to tithe. Because if you're living under the curse, everything in the world is going to go wrong. That, that car is going to stop running. Uh, you will stay sick all the time, having to pay doctor bills, uh, it, it all doesn't come through cash money. 
Cursing sometimes will keep costing you and costing you and costing you because you are living under a curse and not a blessing. Amen? So you must understand. I'm not promising you that everything's always easy. I am promising you that God rewards, rewards faithfulness and consistency. And the last thing, um, fall in love with the process. I've said this many times. It is not a 100-yard dash. It is a marathon. And in a marathon, everybody starts together at the start line, but not everybody finishes at the finish line. Many don't even finish at the finish line. And so we must understand it is a process. A marathon is a long, long process. If I'm consistent, I will make progress. I didn't say perfect, but if I'm consistent and I put my mind to it, I will make progress. Do you want to get better at what you do? Do you want to get better cleaning up your mouth? Be consistent. You're going to fail, but stay consistent. Do you want to get better at your finances? Pay your bills. Well, you know, I messed up, got online, bought something I shouldn't have bought. That's all right. Start over the next day. The good thing is on a diet. How many diets do you think I've tried? Amen? Amen. Guess what? If you're going to be successful on a diet, everybody in here knows you're going to slide off on the diet every once in a while. But if you're going to really lose weight, you have to decide, all right, I messed up tonight, but guess what? Tomorrow morning, the sun comes up, start a new day, and I'm starting over. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're just going to slide off the deep end. Amen? So it's not about being perfect. It's about saying, Lord, I'm going to try because you deserve it. My family deserves it. My church deserves it. God deserves it. Everybody deserves the best version of me that I can give. And I will confess to you, I am not always the best version of, you that, of me that I can give to you. But I'm striving to be consistent. I'm striving to be consistent. Don't stop. When you fall off the horse, get back on it. Be consistent. Don't be perfect. Be consistent. Now look at this. I've already given you this word, and here's the word. Pre-decide. Decisions aren't based on what feels good in the moment. Again, so many people today are basing everything on their emotions, and if it makes me feel good. Listen, not everything that God wants you to do that's good for you is going to make you feel good. Decisions should be based on what God wants from you and your life. Not what makes you comfortable, not what makes you easy, and not what makes you feel good. We all want to feel good. Listen, that's, that's just a given, amen? But understand that it's not always about. Decisions should not be based on what feels good in the moment. As I've told you before, sin is fun. Sin feels good. If somebody tells you otherwise, they're not doing it right, okay? That's why so many people keep coming back around to it, all right? So understand, if you only operate in the flesh and what feels good, you're always going to be in sin, all right? It's not based on what makes feel good at the moment. And unfortunately, that's what our culture said. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt anybody else, that's a lie straight out of hell. Because if it makes you feel good, it's always going to hurt somebody else. It's always, your sin is always going to affect somebody else. You say, well, you know, not if I keep it secret. Uh -uh. It's always what's in the darkness will always come to the light eventually. It will hurt your spouse. It will hurt your kids. It will hurt your family. It will hurt everything. Amen? All right. Um, and the very last slide. You're not successful when you achieve your future goal. 
You're successful when you honor God today. You know, last year, last week I stood here and I said, many of us want to see God's five-year, ten-year plan. We want to get on that. But I said, the way God really operates is this, one baby step at a time. Come on, honey. Come on. All right, you did good today. Let's stop right there. We'll pick it up tomorrow. And then you get up the next day and God says, come on, one more step today. One step today. That's good. Listen, it's not about successful when you achieve your future goal. We, we tend to get way out there and dream and say, God, I want to lose 100 pounds. Well, that's awesome. It's awesome that you want to lose 100 pounds. But if you start with your goal being 100 pounds, whew, that looks like 100 miles away. Amen? That's like trying to walk 100 miles. But if you just say, you know what, God? I want to lose weight, and I want to be consistent. I want to be healthy. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to lose this first 10 pounds. Base it in reality. Base it on something you can be consistent in. And then after you lose those 10, say, all right, God, I want to lose the next 10 or 20. You know, if you shoot way too far out there, why do most of us fail? Because we set ourselves up for failure. Amen? And it is not about your future goals. It's what will honor God today. Will it honor God for you to be more healthy? Yes. Will it honor God for you to lose weight and be around longer for your kids and your spouse? Yes. Will it, will it honor God that you are a healthier person? You don't have to go to the doctor and spend all that money on the doctor bills? Yes. So what honors God today? Julie, come on. You would bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm just, I've shared my heart with you today because, again, I want us all, I want the best of what God has for us. And I really believe that the best of what God has for us is rooted in our consistency. If you've got your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you would say today, Brother Mark, I'm, I'm not where I need to be, and I know I'm not where I need to be, and I would like to be closer to God. Maybe you'd say, Brother Mark, I've never given my heart and life to Christ. Or maybe you would say, I've been saved, but I have wandered far away from the Lord. He's always waiting with his arms open wide. If that's you today, you can, he is as close as a prayer away. I just encourage you, pray this prayer with me, if you would. Just repeat after me in your heart and in your mind and your spirit. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. And Lord, I admit I need you. I am not in control of my own life, and I need you to come and save me and to be the Lord of my life. So right now, Lord, the best way I know how. I ask you to do that. You prayed that prayer today for the first time, second time. as a prayer of recommitment. I wouldn't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Just lift up a hand if you prayed that prayer today. All right. How many of you would say, Brother Mark, pray for me because I need to be more consistent. And I, there's certain areas of my life I need to be more consistent. Would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Amen. Father, have your will and your way during this time of invitation, Lord, and I ask you to just uh, be with us all, God, and help us to be, uh, God, what you've called us to be and to be more consistent. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Brother Martin's going to be over here to pray with you. I'll be over here to pray with you. The altar is open. You come as you need to.
sing that first verse again. I wanted to give you just a little bit of an update, and I've, I meant to mention this before, and I just didn't, but uh, our deacons uh, met uh, last week and uh, voted uh, yes on some expansion. We, uh, The Lord has been blessing, and we've been growing, so the uh, main uh, deal is we have so many children on Wednesday nights, uh, we just need some more space, and so uh, they have uh, uh, voted to, uh, we're going to do a little add-on uh, back here uh, behind this uh, auditorium. And uh, to give us more room for the kids and to give them some space. Amen. And so uh, we're going to try to, yeah, give the Lord a hand on that. And uh, so we're trying to get that done during the summertime. Uh, so uh, just be praying for us on that. If you'd like to give for that, we would sure take that. You can market building fund. And uh, as we try to expand for what the Lord's uh, doing around here. Amen. Well, and like I said, summer has begun. I hope you will take this message to heart. Be consistent. Be here. Amen. Uh, go and have a good time, but come on back and, and be in your place uh, where God is moving. Amen. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, you are dismissed. God bless you. <laughs>